Welcome to episode 83 of On the Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On the Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. Spots are filling up in my Intentional Connections Mastermind. If you want to do less and achieve more, we should chat. I want to help you think more strategically about where and how you spend your time so your networking efforts are fruitful and help you advance in your career or to build your business. The next Mastermind session with just five people starts soon. So check out the details at robbysamuels.com forward slash mastermind and then sign up for a complimentary 60-minute strategy session. We can chat and see whether it's going to be a good fit. That's robbysamuels.com forward slash mastermind. Now, on to this week's show. Today's guest has been an entrepreneur for most of her life and loves helping entrepreneurs and business owners avoid making the same mistakes she made. She is the co-founder and CEO of Serious Executives and Serious Advisors, where she puts her serial entrepreneur knowledge and expertise to work. She has personally sold companies, led a management buyout, and has advised hundreds of companies on strategies for growth and higher shareholder values. She recently co-authored How I Fired My Boss and Made More Money, Insider Secrets from Successful Interim Executives and Independent Consultants. Please join me in welcoming Pamela Wasley. Hi, Robbie. How are you? Pam, thank you so much for joining from your office in Irvine, California. Um, pleasure to have you on here. I just want to jump right in. It's a podcast about leadership and building great networks. So, so tell me, what does leadership mean to you? And when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Okay, let me take that first part first. So leadership to me is motivating people to achieve a goal. So that's a really easy, simple answer. But I will tell you, the second part of that question is, I haven't a clue (laughs) because I'm still learning today. Um, It's an ever learning process. I mean, think about it. Each generation is a little different. So just because I handle millennial or, or I handle the baby boomers or the X gens a certain way does not mean that I also handle the millennials the same way. Leadership's a little bit different there. So I've just kind of learned as I've gone along and I'm still making some mistakes today, but at least I'm willing to correct them and I listen a little bit more today. Yeah, that's the, that's the uh, world of, of uh, learning from your experience, right? At first, it's hard to take in the feedback. But early on, were you the kind of uh, kid in like grade school and in high school, college? Were you, were you always raising your hand to take on opportunities? Were you running for office? Or were you sort of standing on the sidelines? Did people see leadership potential in you? Or did you see it in yourself? Um, it was interesting. Actually, growing up, I was a wallflower. Mm. I was very shy. I... I didn't have a lot of friends. I had a lot of, I had close friends, but very few of them. So when I finally went off to college and I did leave home to go off to college, for some reason, I just, I got to college. I got to my dorm for the first day and was having such a great time. I was meeting all these people and it was like, I came out of my shell or something because, because before I knew it, I was nominated to be the dorm president. 
Wow. Started it all. I mean, literally, I mean, if you could have looked back on my high school years and my grade school years, it's like, Pam did what? (laughs) (laughs) It's like from wallflower to dorm president. (laughs) Yeah, it was like, really? Are you guys serious now? You know, dorm president, what's that? But I mean, I did represent our dorm to the university. Sure. It was just kind of fun. And I kind of grew from there. So from that moment on, I became a little less fearful. I, mm. I actually went out and that, that's how I kind of became an entrepreneur. Yeah. So it feels like you you didn't have opportunities early on because people sort of knew you a certain way and you you accepted right. it. And then when people didn't know you and you <laughs> people were asking you to do things you'd never been asked to do before, you said, sure, okay, I guess. But then you you owned it. So obviously that wasn't the last time you said yes to an opportunity. You seem to I've taken on an entrepreneurial spirit. You, a serial entrepreneur, always kind of come up with new things. I, I'd love to hear a little bit about what you have found really rewarding about the work you're doing today. Oh, wow. You know, um, what's really rewarding? Uh, well, a couple things is, you know, I have learned so much over my career and, and entrepreneurial life that right now I just want to share it. I just want to, I want to make sure that people avoid all the mistakes that I've made, or at least most of them, because some of them were pretty costly actually. So in fact, that was one of the reasons why my business partner, and I wrote the book, you know, how I fired my boss and made more money because for 13 years, since I've, since we started this company back in 2005, these executives have been asking the same questions and we've been answering them all along. And finally we're like, okay, let's just put them all into one book. Plus we went out to the most successful executives once they're making over a million dollars a year and as a independent consultant. And literally we took all of their experiences and threw them into this book as well. So this is a book that you can learn a lot from. I mean, obviously if you don't do any of it, then you're not going to be successful. But if you do follow some of the easy steps that we put in there, it's really telling it all. There's nothing that we kept out of this book. (laughs) (laughs) So is it that you get to see people like transform their business and their life? Do people come to you afterwards after they've, they've been working with you? I mean, you've got a lot of years you've been sharing advice. You must obviously have people who've been like, you know, alumni of, uh, of your expertise in some way. What's that like? Well, you know, it's, it's just cool. It's, they, they do come and they say, well, you know, because of, you know, what your company has done or some of the advice that, you know, you helped us with, we, we really have turned our company around. We're, we're profitable today. We're growing today. And I have to tell you, I, it just, it, you know, brings tears to my eyes because I'd like to see everybody do that. I, I, you know, I want to see everybody be successful. And, and again, if I can help them in any small way, it's just phenomenal. And again, I think my whole company looks, you know, looks at it like that. I mean, we go out of our way to help every single customer. And by the way, we have 8,500 executives across the United States that we place on a part-time and interim basis today. They are our clients as well as our companies. Our ah, clients. yeah. I mean, y- y- you can't just take them for, take advantage of them because they're an integral part of this. If, if you don't have them, <laughs> you can't help the co- companies. So they got to work together and you have to, you have to make them part of your network and do whatever you can to make them successful 
so that they like working with you. So do you often also work with people who are considering leaving their sort of corporate life to do this kind of more independent consulting opportunity? Is, is, it, is it a hard leap for people to say yes to? Typically, they've already left. And, and, and it's not because they were fired or they, they left because they didn't like the job. It's usually that the, the company got sold um, another company came in and, and, you know, they took out their positions or they got to the point where they were really bored and they wanted to move on to something else. Mm. So they're typically in between roles and they could get a job right away. These are very successful people in their own right, but they really wanted to consider another alternative. And this whole intermanagement or as everybody's calling it, the gig economy, the contingent workforce mm-hmm. They like that. They get to pick their own jobs. They get to pick their the companies that they work for. They get to pick the time you know that they work for them. I mean, they're they love it. It's like a portfolio career for them. And sometimes they do it for five years in a row, and then comes the sixth year, and they start working with a client, and they go, "Wow, you know, I'd like to come on board as an employee." So then mm. they go two, three years as an employee for a company. So it it just gives them some flexibility and some variety in their careers that they didn't have before. So it's a fantastic way to sort of learn more about your industry and see inside a lot of different companies, like all of different cultures, they all have different ways of, of working and being. And I know when you're looking for a job, it's hard to, that's the part that you don't know. I mean, you, it's really hard to get that inside sense of, of what's it like to really be in this space and yep. usually once you say yes, you're kind of committed <laughs> for yes, a long period of time. <laughs> uh, and it's a real hassle. So this is interesting. Um, and then the other thing I think it's really neat is that they are cross-pollinating ideas and best practices across their different industry. You know, as they move from company to company, you know, if they've learned a sort of tip or, or practice in one space and could even be like, you know, how to run a better meeting, like not industry secret, but just how to facilitate a conversation better or, you know, structure something better. Like, have you, has, have that been something that people have talked about? Like, are they feeling like they're getting some real skill out of it as well as obviously the opportunity to to work with these different companies? Absolutely. And, and, you know, the interesting thing is, is it's so funny because we rarely put anybody in, in a company that's of the same industry. Mm. Because the industry gets, all their employees get kind of myopic. The CEO gets myopic. I get myopic in my own business. So by bringing that outside perspective in, these executives really make a difference. And speaking of that, I mean, I look at the travel industry, the real estate industry, the, I look at other industries for my own business to get ideas from. Because again, you just get too myopic in your business. Now, pertaining to the executive, Yes, they too can look at different industries coming from where their their perspective, and they learn stuff from that company that helps them with even more clients in the future. Mm. So it really helps everybody in the long run. It helps the client as well as the interim executive. This is really interesting. So the book that I've first book that I wrote was focusing on strategic, effective, and inclusive networking at conferences. But my next book pertains to this topic, which is about the importance of diversifying your network and the, the benefits of doing so, and then also how to do it. And this is a really interesting example of how to do that, because clearly, if you're an interim you know, uh, executive somewhere or an independent consultant somewhere, and you bounce around from project to project and across different industries, you're going to meet colleagues right across all these different industries, which will inadvertently <laughs> broaden and diversify your network, 
But like you said, it adds all these benefits of new innovation, ideas, you know, just a different perspective uh, to to see the work that you love to do in a very different way. Um, What a cool example to like, you know, get paid to diversify your network. (laughs) And by the way, write that book because these executives sometimes need that because, Mm. you know, sometimes I get kind of, you know, into their own industry and they feel like, well, I really can't go into the industry because I know nothing about it. So, and and then they don't expand their network and they're always doing the same old, same old stuff. So absolutely write that book because some people don't understand what you just said. Mm, That's good. Well, thank you for the, thank you for the vote of confidence. That's, it's my aim to have that out next year. So, um, you know, I also think that often what you're talking about, it comes with a lot of challenges. I mean, you've been innovating your own career, it sounds like from the very beginning, <laughs> from those days back as being a dorm president. <laughs> um, yeah. So what has been a challenge you've experienced doing this and, and how did you overcome that challenge? Well, you know, I, I, I actually don't look at it as a challenge because, you know, these ideas just kind of came to me. I mean, I was working for, a, for corporate America, it was a textile company, and I was, and I was bored. I actually was getting all my work done and I was in sales at the time. I was getting all my work done in, in three days a week. So I had to find something else that I could do. And I wanted to obviously be productive. So thus, my first job, our first um, company was a retail company. And so I, I did that two days a week. And I actually worked there on the weekends. I hired a store manager that, that ran it. But I mean, it's those type of opportunities. The next one was telecommunications. And again, I kind of ran across it. I didn't, and by the way, this goes to exactly what you're just talking about. It's because of my network, by Mm. the way. (laughs) If I didn't have the network that I had, I never would have run across the store manager that I stole from this big department store to run my store. I never would have been able to join this or, or be in the beginning of this telecommunication company and be partners. I mean, and then this one here, I mean, literally I was doing consulting, this for serious, I was doing consulting, you know, on my own and six other executives that were doing consulting came up and said, hey, Pam, you know, we're doing consulting. Why don't we just put all of our functional areas together and we'll become a company? And I said, oh, that's an interesting concept. So again, if I didn't have that network, I Mm. never would have started serious back in, and it was started by seven people. Um, and I just happened to do a management buyout in 2011. So I took it from there, but literally it started by with seven people. Wow. So really what good examples of the opportunities that were presented to you because of the network that you had and the, the very diverse, uh, sort of experiences of the people in that network. Um, but as you're doing this work, it sounds like you're good at a lot of different things. Is there, what's, what's the thing that you're not very good at? You know what I mean? Like, there's always something that you have to feel like, I really should, you, you know, you're, you don't know everything about outsourcing. So what's the thing you're like, I join a new company and I immediately think, oh, I'm definitely going to outsource that. <laughs> so, yes. So, will I fix one problem right up front. Again, networking. I met my COO at a nonprofit. I was the chairman of the board. She was the treasurer. We worked so well together. I hired her. <laughs> But the one thing I love about my business partner today, she's a 50-50 partner. She she does all the detail stuff. She's all operations back office stuff. That, sure, I can do it. But that's what I'm really not good at. (laughs) So I immediately got that issue gone up front. 
Um, you know, and for other things, and both Kristen and I understand that you can't be all things. Mm-hmm. And we're very big on our whole model of bringing in talent and not always a full-time employee, but bringing in talent when and where you need it. Mm-hmm. So, and sometimes that all you need it is a part-time basis. And, and plus, by the way, if you have it part-time, you can afford a, a more expensive person than if you hired them full-time <laughs> as an employee. We've learned that lesson over the years. Mm-hmm. So we, we, you know, we've learned to outsource you know, like payroll, we, you know, have part-time help in, in um, some of our IT. I mean, there's things, marketing, you know, we have, we have key people, but then we outsource the rest. I mean, literally, we've learned what to keep internal and what to outsource because, again, payroll is not my, my core business. Um, right. Development of software is not our core business. Yes, it helps with our technology and our platforms, but it's not what we really do. What we really do is help companies grow. So that doesn't sound like it's part of it to me. So we outsource it. That's smart. So really for you, there's sort of a lens that you put everything through and there's almost a, what's the piece that I do that I specifically need to do because it's only thing, like only I can do it. Like building relationships seems like a core strength of yours and you can't outsource that. Right. So if you do all these other little things, these back office, <laughs> very important, by the way, that paychecks get paid, you know? Yes. So, but if, <laughs> if you're busy trying to do all those detail things and your relationship building, you know, strategies suffer, then you're not being effective for your business. So that's a really important takeaway that I hope people hear. Because I think no matter whether you're in a, a, you know, corporate day job, working at a nonprofit, starting up your own company, you know, solopreneur who's just kind of piecing things together one gig to another is a point where you have to hire help. Um, and actually, uh, my good friend is Dory Clark, and I talk about her probably every episode. <laughs> but she was just, I was just listening to uh, a Q&A webinar she was doing with a friend of mine, Jeffrey Shaw, whose book just came out as we were recording this. And she was talking about how when she launched her book and like all the flood of inquiries came in, she hired her first virtual assistant like halfway into the launch period when she was already completely overwhelmed. And so her advice is you have to kind of prepare for when you're going to need the help, right? Like before you are desperately in need, you need to kind of figure out, okay, how do I get my ducks in a row and plan for this? So I actually had somebody in place, you know, at the beginning of the summer, knowing I was launching midsummer because it took all that time just to get them up to speed. This is all the training period and organizing everything. So I, I learned the lesson from her, but I think people are afraid to do this sort of outsourcing because that's delegation takes a certain practice. It takes being organized, right? Like you have to know what it is you can let go of. You have to create systems and checklists and, <laughs> you right. know, proto- protocols and you can't just wing it. And I think it's really hard for people to think about that when they're in the thick of it. So, I mean, how do you help people realize that they're in a position where they could really benefit from having this part-time, very um, knowledgeable expert come in to help them on a piece of their business. Like how do you walk them through that when they're probably a little resistant to change and nervous about how this might work? Well, first of all, we, we talk about, you know, everybody has a strategic planning meeting, whether it's once, some people have two a year, but we, we really encourage them to take a look at, okay, let's take a look at what we did over the year you know, where our weaknesses are, where our strengths are, where we're going to need some help going forward. And not just in people. In fact, anyone that looks at, at 
jobs or job descriptions as to, okay, what job do I want to fill this year? It's not about jobs. It's about projects. What things do you need to get accomplished? What are your initiatives in the next year? And what pieces are going to help you get them done? And sometimes, Mm -hmm. yes, it's a full-time employee. And sometimes it's just talent that you need that's on the outside. So we encourage them to really think about this and not just in an org chart either, because we don't care who reports to who. It's literally just, you know, what is it that you need to grow your company forward? Um, And once we get past that, then, yeah, it it is kind of an education because people worry about culture. Ooh, I'm going to bring this talent in and are they going to get along with my people? Well, fortunately, um, you know, we've, we hit that right off the bat and we brought in uh, an assessment test that not only tests our, all of our executives, but it also tests the client. So it's, we're like the match.com uh-huh. <laughs> of leadership styles and cultural fits for our executives and the clients. So we eliminate that up front. And again, it's also, you know, when the client's interviewing two people, they, you know, there's one that they're going to just really get along with. So pick mm-hmm. that person. They both can do the job, but pick the one that you feel the synergy f- with. But just know that it doesn't matter which one you really pick. It's, it's who you like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so we kind of walk through that with them. Um, and, you know, usually they, they'll try it. And once they try it, it's really interesting because they've gotten so much done right away. Because, again, outside talent, it's not like an employee that goes, I've got 90 days to come up to speed. <laughs> these, these people, this outside talent, and it, it doesn't have to be, you know, at the higher level, the executive level it could be, you know, mid middle uh, talent, or it could be, you know, a clerk in your, in your um, finance department. They know what they're doing. They wouldn't be a consultant or outside talent source if they didn't really know what they were doing. So they hit the ground running and literally within, you know, a couple of weeks, they've got the lay of the land. They've got, you know, results are starting to appear. And obviously you have to interview them to make sure that they can tell you what they've done in the past to verify that they can deliver these results. But as long as you verified it, why these people move so fast? I mean, that's why, again, we bring in some talent. I mean, right now we have a, a part-time CTO because we don't always have, you know, development going on. And my gosh, she's gotten stuff done so much quicker. We moved mm-hmm. so much faster since she came on board than ever before because it was, you know, it, it, we just didn't have her expertise there to be able to get it done as quickly. So it really makes a difference. It sounds like it's really a, a gift for the organizations who say yes to it. Um, you also seem to have really found your niche in this this world. I keep thinking about how there are all these new industries and job like opportunities that are coming up uh, that didn't exist 10 years, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Um, I was just telling a 20-year-old college student that my advice when I was 20 was that my, uh, I would have four different careers by the time I was 40. <laughs> and she said, whoa, I'm 20. I said, yeah, you're going to have like 19. Like It's just going to be like ever-evolving. <laughs> and so much of what you have in front of you for the rest of your life probably doesn't even exist yet. Like sort of the example of, you know, being hired today to be a social media manager. Like when I was 20, that wasn't a thing, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) so I'm just like, you just kind of have to have transferable skills. And it sounds like a lot of what 
these people are able to do is bring their talent and skills in and move in and out of industry um, and, and innovate in that way. You must always, though, be thinking. Like, I feel like there must be like that matchmaking happening in your head all the time, like dream, dreaming about sort of how to grow the business. With all of that, though, you know, <laughs> how, how do you, I don't want to say work-life balance because it's like a misnomer, but like, maybe it's like work-life integration or, or how do you know when you're not on, when you're not working? Is there, do you have a practice of sort of like creating some space in your calendar to kind of have some quiet or, or is your brain just really always going? Um, it typically is going, but I have learned to segment out certain times. So mm-hmm. now any friend, you know, time with friends, time with family, uh, time for me to think, you know, instead of being bombarded by the day-to-day stuff, I actually put those on my calendar. And during those periods of time, like, you know, the family wants to go to the San Diego Zoo or whatever this week. I don't think about anything. In fact, sometimes I don't even take my phone. So literally, and I know somebody will take care of anything that comes along at that time. Um, And I'm back, you know, on the phone four hours later or whatever. So it's not like I'm gone forever. But literally, I, I take the time and I don't think about work. The nice thing about that, I will tell you, is my brain almost feels like it's refreshed. Mm. Um, I do that a lot when I'm I'm walking, you know, hiking, you know, out by myself, maybe walking on the beach or in the mountains. You know, I kind of try to clear my head as much as possible because if you're always thinking about work, you won't come up with solutions that you could come up with when you're not thinking about work. So my best times are... Um, typically when I am out, you know, working out or, you know, hiking on weekends or they are in the shower. Again, I'm not really, you know, I'm I'm typically not thinking about work because I'm thinking about, okay, I got to finish my shower and get out and get on to my next meeting. But literally you wouldn't believe how many times I've come up with some superb ideas during those times. And again, I think it's because I'm, I'm clearing my head. I'm doing something else besides thinking about work. And that helps me think outside the box. Yeah. It seems like there's, you're creating some empty space. Yes. And, and I feel like we are really lacking that these days. I mean, now if you're waiting for a bus or you're on a subway, or even if you're in a car, you're, you're also multitasking, you know, you're reviewing your emails, you're listening to a podcast. I love podcasts. Hey, I host one, <laughs> but you're always sort of like learning, 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 you know, reading about something, posting something, um, consuming nonstop information. And it used to be, we would just sit there kind of bored <laughs> yeah, in those moments. Right. Like we wouldn't bring, you know, more than a Walkman with us <laughs> to go walking, right. you know, like that would be the extent right. of it. Um, so it's nice that you're kind of creating some opportunity for that uh, to happen and, and prioritizing it. And you're right. Like you're going to come up with some really phenomenal you know, outside the box thinking and maybe even see connections like you'll be at the zoo and something about the primates will sort of trigger, wait a second, (laughs) (laughs) I saw that same issue at the office the other day. Okay, maybe not the primates. You never know. (laughs) And and, and Robbie, by the way, you know, they're they're now studying boredom. Mm. There are studies being done now because you need, they're finding out that you need to be bored sometimes because again, it, your, your head's so cluttered. <laughs> so it is good to get, 
you know, don't take your phone to the bathroom with you or don't take your phone everywhere you go. It's, you know, you, you need to. Guilty. <laughs> Guilty of it all. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Me too. <laughs> I know. I know. Listen, I think I, I actually host this podcast to get reminded of all these healthy best practices for living a good life. Um, and, you know, the same thing with like morning rituals or, you know, read, read 10 pages a day, you know, you read done with a 200 page book in two weeks, like you know, all this stuff. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yep. You're like, wow, that's amazing math. Um, <laughs> so because we also want to focus on, on sort of this piece around building relationships, which is such a key piece of seems of your career and your success. I'm, I'm curious about how you've maintained them. Like, so you've, you've worked all these different kinds of, um, different kinds of roles you've had over the years. You've met all these people. You're constantly meeting and recruiting um, and retaining these, these amazing executives, these, these talented people. Are you purposeful in, in a practice kind of way around like actually nurturing those relationships? Not just the, how do you recruit good people, but like the people that you meet that kind of really get on your stage. Like how do you maintain those kinds of connections, you know, in this sort of frenetic space that we occupy? Okay, I have to, I'm going to give a plug to LinkedIn at this point, because I'm telling you, love LinkedIn. Um, you know, I, I stay in touch with people. I'm always, you know, especially ones I haven't touched base in a while. And I can see that, you know, on my, on my LinkedIn account. So it, that helps me tremendously. Before that, you know, I've gotten to know so many people over my career that I can't possibly remember to reach out to all of them. But LinkedIn has actually helped me organize that, if you will. Mm -hmm. So I have a better handle on it these days. Do I do a perfect job? No way. But I'm a whole lot better than I used to be. And, it, and I have to say it's because of the organizational piece of LinkedIn that helps me. Mm -hmm. do, you, um, do you have a practice of going into it certain days of the week to see what people are up to? Or are you part of groups? Like, how are you really making the most out of LinkedIn? So I think most people, you know, they post a few things in a profile and, and walk away from it. So it sounds like it's really working for you. Yeah. I, you know, if I see somebody has been in a company for a while, I mean, I don't just say, hey, congratulations for the five years you've been there. You know, I start a dialogue, you know, and so we'll have dialogue back and forth for the next week or so to kind of catch up or maybe even make it into a, a phone call. Um, so I use that groups. Um, sure. I, you know, I belong to a couple groups and I don't participate as much as I could on the groups. Um, but you know, even on the post, I go there every day to see who's posting. And I got to mm. tell you, there's stuff that my buddies have posted and I'm like, wow, that's really good information. So again, I'll pick up the phone. I do an email. I send something over LinkedIn. Wow. This is really great stuff. You know, we haven't touched base. What are you doing for lunch? Again, all of this just pings me every day. And I do. I look at it every morning. You know, it takes, what, 10 minutes to really look at it. So, uh, and, but then if I start to communicate, then maybe it's an hour if I really get mm -hmm. going on a couple people. But it really doesn't take that much out of my calendar. Um, and it sure beats Twitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. people use it for different reasons, right? It sounds yeah. like some of those, those conversations by reigniting the connection it, it, you never know where it might lead um, to future connections. But I also think that, um, and I, I'm going to make a stat up, <laughs> um, which I think most <laughs> stats are made up. So I think 80% of who you need to know to be successful, you've already met. 
And then it's a question as to how do you strategize meeting the other 20%, right? The 80-20 rule, I think, applies here as well. And that people often forget these connections they had when they, they had a good, a good coworker they really enjoyed. And they moved on and it's been five years and now they're like, well, we don't work anymore together. We might even be in different industries now. Well, if you really enjoyed each other, reach out. Like that's where we can use these social media tools, right? To drop in. And it could be they pop up because they had an anniversary on LinkedIn. It could be they had something go, you know, they wrote something and you want to comment on it. It's like, if they're good people, keep them in your universe. So I have a tool that I want to suggest to you since you love LinkedIn. Okay. So I wrote about this in my book. Uh, it's called Duck Soup, D-U-X-S-O-U-P. It's a silly, silly name. <laughs> and if you go to robbysamuels.com forward slash D-U-X-S-O-U-P, you can kind of read about it. They have a free version and then there's also an upgrade version. Um, what it allows you to do is on each profile, you can add a little note. So do before they had a LinkedIn update recently, there was an opportunity to write a note you could right. do reminders and you could do tags. And then they right. it all went away. It right. Very, very sad. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so Duck Soup replaces some of that. Um, even if you're not already connected, this is a, something that wasn't true before. So if, if I looked at your profile, we weren't connected, I could still write a note. And it's private to me. Only I would see the note. So the free version, it just everything lives online. But what's nice is if you go to their profile, you could remind yourself where you met them, you know, what you last talked about, or even like what you want to do with them. If you upgrade, you can actually download the information to a spreadsheet. Yep. And that way you can start searching and sorting by the tags as right. well as the notes and maybe like create a strategy for, the, for each quarter. So I always suggest people to sort of plan out like this quarter, I'm going to really focus on reaching out to these kinds of people or reconnecting with this part of my life, et cetera, right? Just kind of like give yourself a little bit of intentionality and then see where it leads, and then do that awesome. for each quarter, a different thing. So I think that this tool could be kind of a useful way uh, to keep track of that. And to also, again, like resurface people, you know, from your network that you maybe have just long forgotten. Um, but I do think taking advantage of those, you know, anniversary updates or people posting that they joined a new job. Um, every time I do a new initiative, I post it as a job. So when I was launching a book, I you know, published that I was, you know, an, an author. And every time yep. someone wrote that automatic, you know, congrats on your job, I had this little message ready to go that I then personalized and yep. sent to them. And I'd say about one out of every six or seven people, we had a good dialogue from that. Right, right. Um, it's not everybody, but, you know, sometimes people popped up way later and I could tell that they had, been, you know, gotten the previous message and we were able to pick it up from there. So definitely take advantage of those sort of automated notes, right? Those notifications. Yep. Um, that's cool. That's, LinkedIn's a wonderful tool for that. I, look, we're not, neither of us are connected to LinkedIn. We have no, <laughs> no affiliations. <laughs> I know you're like, I'm about to plug LinkedIn. Um, so if you had the opportunity though, to talk to someone who was just getting started, or, you know, if you were trying to talk to your younger self, you're just right, you know, a few years out of college, you know, 25 year old, who's trying to think about how to, you know, have a successful, vibrant, uh, supported professional network. What would you tell them to focus on? Is there a particular piece of advice you'd say, do this? I learned this lesson along the way, and it is, it's not a one-way street. Uh, you know, it, it's give and take. And, and by the way, it, it doesn't matter whether it's 
a friend or if it's a acquaintance, a business, somebody you met at a business meeting, uh, could be a client. I mean, I've, we've given, you know, not just services, obviously, to clients, but we've referred business to them where we, you know, we saw an opportunity or refer, uh, they needed, uh, you know, to talk to somebody at real estate because they were looking mm-hmm. at a new building and we would refer somebody to it. So it's a give and take relationship. It's so just always keep that in mind because if you think you're just going to go and get all this stuff from people and not give anything back, forget it. They will Mm -hmm. never, ever remember you. Yeah. I think people make a mistake of thinking either they're in the business of collecting business cards or they're in the business of giving business cards. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right? Some people feel like it's their job to give away a business card and other people feel it's their job just to constantly be the one taking them, but doing nothing with them. Um, You know, the, the business card collection isn't what builds your network. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Right. Yeah. So this is good advice to really think about what else you can offer. Um, I mentioned this before on this show, there's a Harvard study that came out a while ago about how networking makes people feel dirty. And it was fascinating how they, they quantified that. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it turns out that that's true for people who are sort of newer in their career, but it wasn't true for people who had experience, who were more senior. And that's because the more senior people came into that networking space ready to offer. Yes. They didn't walk in thinking about what they needed. It's kind of like you. you. You start this conversation at the very beginning. You were like, I just want to give back. I want to give a, away my best advice. I want to help people you know, avoid the missteps I made. You know, right. Save them time and money. Well, then you're going to walk into a space feeling really different than the person who's like, I just need a job. I just need a job. <laughs> and so I always try to help my clients you know, really reframe that so they can think about what they're offering. Even when you're looking for work, you're still you're offering something, which is your time, your talent, your enthusiasm, your experience, you know, the right fit is the best thing possible for someone who's hiring. So I, I just think, I thought the Harvard study was kind of funny in the fact that like people really do have, that's, that's, that's something we always wondered about and they quantified it for us that, that networking can make people feel dirty, but not if you avoid the transaction piece. I think if you are doing the relational, relational thing you're talking about, the give and take, um, that's just really a different, it almost seems a new word, you know, because no. I think people have, have gotten away from what it could mean. Yeah. And, and, but they also need to be prepared. I mean, you know, how many people just go to these meetings and literally, like you said, they're giving out business cards. They're going from one person to another person, another person, another person. You know, that probably is kind of a dirty feeling. But, you know, mm. if you go there and you're, okay, you know, the speaker, you know, the couple people on the panel you want to talk to, you think there's going to be somebody there that you've been wanting to meet because a friend of yours said that he usually goes to these meetings. I mean, come prepared, know what you're looking for. And once you get it, you know, you know, you can drag it out longer or you can mm-hmm. just go home because you achieved your goal. Yeah. I, a lot of my clients, uh, when I do coaching and masterminds, they tend to fall into the more introverted, shy categories. And I tell them, if you could, if I tell you, you can show up to an event and work the room for one hour, meet all of your goals and then go home, would that sound good? <laughs> They're like, yes. yes. <laughs> and Absolutely. I'm, I'm like, I'm an extrovert. Like I stay to the end and stack chairs, you know, I've been doing that my whole <laughs> life. But I just think that, yes, you're right. Like too many people um, show up with, logistically they got themselves there but they're not really they're not really present and right. it sounds like part of what's been working for you in your career is that little bit of preparation has really paid off like when there has been an opportunity you've been able to see it and then right. act on it right yeah 
So I want to know when we get together a year from now, because I want to definitely, you know, stay in touch. I want to hear how well your book's doing. How, what are the things we'll be celebrating when we get together? What are the things we'll be like, yes, congratulations, Pam. What a year you've had. Yeah. So, um, you know, my goal all along has been to keep as many people busy as possible because I want we, I, we want to provide alternatives to a better life for as many people as we possibly can. So, and we, by the way, we started right there, you know, right around the recession, right before the recession. Then we went through the recession. A lot of those executives were out of, out of work and, you know, it's, it was not a good experience for them. And, you know, now, and consulting, by the way, you never knew whether you're going to be able to get your next job. You got through one and all of a sudden you, you have all this free time. Now, what do you do? And some people don't sell themselves very well. So our goal is to always keep these people as busy as, as they want to be, basically. So, um, you know, as long as we continue to grow that number and reach as many, you know, small to mid-sized companies that we can to help them grow, I'll be a happy camper. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Pam, how can people find you and follow your work? Okay. So we made that easy, hopefully. Uh, I know you're going to post the link, so that'll help them in case they don't know how to spell serious, but it's get serious. You know, we always play in our name, you know, seriously, serious. We are very serious about our business. So getserious.com forward splat, forward, forward, yeah, forward. Yeah. Slash. Yep. Slash. Thank you. On the schmooze. Okay, so, great. Bobby, yep. we want them to you know, we obviously, we, we want them to know where to go easily. And if we put on the schmooze there, then we can kind of give a thank you to you for allowing us to be on your show, which I'm, I'm honored to be, by the way. Great. So you're going to offer a gift. To, I'll make sure people know to do that. And so it's spelled, uh, so it's get serious, G-E-T-C-E-R-I-U-S dot com, com right. forward slash on the schmooze. And just a reminder, schmooze is spelled S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. Um, and when you go there, you'll get a, a nice little gift. Do you know what the gift will be, Pam, that we can? Oh, we're, we love giving away gifts. So one is you get to download our book for mm. free. Wow. Uh, another one is uh, we have tip sheets on how to have better cash flow. Another one, how to hire a really good salesperson. Another one is um, how to become more profitable. I mean, we give a bunch away. So just go there. And if you want all of them, download them all. It doesn't make <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you, Pam. I really appreciate your time and all of the, the great knowledge you've shared. And I hope you have a fantastic rest of the day. Thanks, Robbie. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Pam. Such a pleasure to speak with her and learn about her leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week to benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 83. That's also where you'll find all the links from today's episode. And don't forget, if you want to do less and achieve more, check out what I put together for you at Robbie samuels.com forward slash mastermind. If you enjoy this episode with Pam, please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review in iTunes. It's easy to find our iTunes page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance and I look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be interviewing another talent professional but their untold stories of leadership and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, 
work-life balance, and how they built a strong professional network on their way to becoming successful leaders. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.